more. Come on. This is a photo shoot. Come on, guys. Blow. I still feel like I'm sweating. Blow. Blow. Come on. Blow more. I want my hair to be in like, like you know, wind. Volume is beautiful. Like I'm a Greek goddess or something. Blow. You know what? Stand up. The both of you. Stand up right now. Okay, this is episode two of the Crowd Interference Podcast. I'm DEO, and this has been an interesting week in professional wrestling. The first portion of the week really wasn't all that exciting. You know, we just had more build-up to WrestleMania stuff. Uh, TNA had other TNA things, so on and so forth. And then the end of the week, everything just has gone completely to shit on a personal level for many wrestlers. So it all started with a leak of nude photos and I don't really want to call them sex tapes. They were just videos of Paige, Brad Maddox, Xavier Woods, and I believe Maria Kanellis has been involved uh, in another leak that's happened. And apparently there are going to be even more leaks to come in the coming days, weeks. So strap yourselves in. Now, the thing about this is that this showed just how toxic the internet wrestling community can be and is on a regular basis. The amount of misogyny and sexism that has just been thrown about in the past day or so has been absolutely ridiculous. And more often than not, I've seen more of this vile just vitriol come from women than anything else. So none of the parties that were leaked did anything wrong. These were consenting adults that performed sexual acts on camera for each other. You know, nobody did anything wrong. But for some reason, a lot of people have just decided that Paige is the bad person in this one. Uh, Of course, she's being slut-shamed, so on and so forth. But at the same time, many people, the majority of them are men, are high-fiving Xavier Woods and Brad Maddox. So, let me get this straight. The woman did the same exact thing that the men did, but she's the bad guy. Get the entire fuck out of here. That is one of the most ridiculous things that you could ever hear. And they were going as far as, you know, of course, once this happened, they were adding Paige. They were adding Xavier Woods. They're adding Brad Maddox, uh, Alberto Del Rio, Paige's parents. Like, everything about it, would, everything that could have been done that was just disgusting is what people did. And the reality of things, the only thing that you could say that Paige did wrong was keep the content on a notoriously unsecure platform where it was hacked on a cloud. So, you know, other than that, you guys need to chill the fuck out. That being said, security. This is something, and not just professional wrestlers, everybody needs to do this. Do not, and I repeat, do not keep anything on your phone or in the cloud that you do not want the world to see because motherfuckers are greedy and disgusting and they will hack your shit. 
So in my daily life, I'm a legal videographer. I videotape depositions for lawsuits, court cases, so on and so forth. Anything that you have on your phone, anything that you email, anything like that can and will be used against you in a court of law. So if you don't want this shit out there for people to see, take them off of your phone. Put them on your computer and leave it at that. There's no reason that you need to be able to access these things remotely unless, you know, you got a FAP 24-7 or some shit like that. And even if you have to access the stuff from your computer, there are ways to go about it to whereas you don't keep them on the cloud. Set up a server on your damn computer so that you can access the stuff. But I digress. Stop being stupid and don't keep stuff on your phone. Moving on to the interview segment of the podcast, I have Stunning Stella Cheeks of the Not Your Demographic podcast. This was recorded about a week and a half ago because if we recorded after these leaks happened, trust me, we'd have had a ton more to say. But we touch on plenty of interesting topics, all ranging from (laughs) stuff that you'd think I'd talk about and things that you probably never would think that I'd talk about. So I hope you enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. All right. (laughs) Such a delay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. I am here with the other half of the Not Your Demo podcast, the one and only Stunning Stella Cheeks. Hello, everyone. Yes, that they probably won't see, but, you know, we'll probably be doing <laughs> the, the pageant wave a lot during this one. Uh, so we've been Twitter friends for, I guess, roughly a year, year and a half now, I think, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around that. Somewhere around <laughs> that. And we came together over some, like, very interesting, for being, like, within our little pro wrestling bubble, we came together on something that was very abstract and obscure in our <laughs> love for RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> abstract and obscure in our wrestling friendship circle. Like, it's obviously Drag Race is not obscure in the... In the um, culture, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. But we're the ones that when Drag Race is on, we're like, well, we don't really want to talk about wrestling anymore. We just want to talk about Drag Race. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, a lot of folks would be like, oh, my God. It's like, why would you like for me, especially I've had like friends be like or people on Twitter like you talk about that. I was like, like pro wrestling and Drag Race have so many things in common that it's just so shut up. So that they had a wrestling and Drag Race episode where Joey Ryan taught the queens how to wrestle. Pre before I knew who Joey Ryan was. Right. Yes. Yes. I actually do remember that. And the <laughs> the match was fucking atrocious. There were it was hilarious. You know, by Drag Race standards, hilarious. But you know, yeah. uh, from the uh, wrestling was garbage. We were like, it's like my god. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. And since then, you know, we go back and forth on Twitter about many things, whether it be feminism. Uh, Lana's, out. <laughs> Lana's outfit more than anything <laughs> else because I don't know like I've given up on trying to figure out like for the longest time Lana was the shit and when she came she out so badass. so badass and had the power suit and had her own music when she came out everything was great and then the Ziggler shit happened and like Ziggler is like He's like 
it's like the STD or something like that. Because once you get it, it doesn't like it doesn't go away. Nothing go goes away. <laughs> terrible. And you know, we've had our interactions with Lana on Twitter, which was yeah. We both got Lana vanity searched herself because we don't add the wrestlers when we talk about them because we're semi decent human beings. But she vanity searched herself, and then we were making fun of her being like garbage and she was like well i'm gonna have a really amazing match one day and me and you just doubled down the whole time right. it's really funny yeah, like, more often than not like when you see people you know have interactions with pro wrestlers or fighters anybody really they're like oh my god they're talking to me it's like no that's just still a person so like right. and what we said was not even that mean we were just like watching her on total divas is really funny because she's acting like she's this amazing wrestler and she's like really not yeah and she is a dork no two ways about it. Like, no, and, and it's one of the best things. That's why we love her. Like, that's one of the things that we love. Oh, I never want her to not be on Total Divas anymore. She has to be on all the or all the seasons. She's hilarious. She's perfect for that show. Perfect for that show. She is one of the best things that has happened to Total Divas. Because, like, Total Divas kind of has some, like, you know, boring spots when they have certain people on there. Uh, yeah. What's her face? The one that. That, that tried to pin somebody with their back not being on the canvas. <laughs> Are you refusing to say her name? I just, no, I've forgotten what her name is. Naomi's partner. Oh, Cameron? Yeah, her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you were like in a roundabout way being like, I refuse to talk about her. I think my brain has like made it that way so that I don't talk about it because <laughs> she wasn't, she was terrible on the show. She was terrible in the ring. Like, girl, bye. <laughs> she had, like, one or two decent matches, but good matches for her near the end of her, you know, thing before she got fired for opening her mouth. Yeah, and that's because Asuka carried one of that, that match. And well, yes. Yeah, so. But she yeah. still looks okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and she had a good aesthetic and everything like that, but mm, everything else is not so much. <laughs> so furious that... Cameron, who like nobody really cared about, had merch when Naomi didn't have merch. I was like, how does Cameron get merch before Naomi? How? How? Right. How is this? And like, Naomi had like. Good phrase. Right. And she had good. So one, she was actually good in the ring. You know, she was still kind of iffy, but she was, you know, she, she could handle herself in the ring in a way that Cameron will never be able to. She actually had a decent gimmick back then. And it's just like, how does Cameron... Like, I get it that it's a catchy phrase and stuff like that, but come on now. Come on. Really? That's what you do? She went down with Ryback, so... (laughs) Yes. The Ryback. Oh, God. He's probably reading Tony Robbins somewhere right now. Terrible. And chugging his own protein powder. He has his own personal protein powder now. That sounds disgusting in so many ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a terrible, terrible. So one of the things that we talked about, one of the things that we, you know, being that we were talking about drag race and WWE has a very checkered past when it comes to handling queer characters in the WWE. Uh, The one that comes to mind most, Billy and Chuck, which was like, I remember when I was, so I guess I was late teens, early 20s. I forgot what it was. But I remember even back then, before I was, you know, quote unquote, woke, I was like, what the fuck? What is this? Why? Why, why are we here? 
even when you say pass, like they still have problems. Like oh, yeah, they still have problems. all the Patrick Clark stuff is like uncomfortable on many different levels. It's uncomfortable because he's not a good wrestler. He yeah. doesn't fundamentally understand the Prince ideology or gimmick at all. And it just comes off as like making fun of gay people. Right. Right. And then like, I am a massive Prince fan. Like Prince was the first one of the few like black men that I had a chance that I could look up to that was outside of the box. Cause I was right. always the outside of the box kid, like stuff that I listened to. Like I'm not, neither of my parents are from the country. So from a like North America or from an American point of view, like a lot of the things that I liked and music and things that I watched and read, it was like, no. And Prince was just like, one of those people actually like I can be like if he can be himself, I can be myself too. And I don't know, Patrick Clark is just like like you said, he fundamentally does not understand what made Prince Prince. And then there's the whole Trump supporter thing that it's it doesn't make sense on so many different levels. Like if Prince were alive, not only would he probably sue him because he's doing Prince's gimmick and Prince yep. likes to sue people, but he, uh, he would also be like <laughs> offended because he just like deeply misunderstands what's going on yeah just absolutely misunderstands and like on the last i guess at the i guess it'll be last week's episode of nxt where patrick clark was on there and it was just like the crowd was just kind of sitting there like yeah that happened move on to the next thing i was just waiting for somebody else to come out we're like we're here for asuka and diy like we'll put up with your bullshit but like for only two minutes yeah, yeah, just, yeah. And the thing is, like, I wanted to root for him so very badly. Like, when he first showed up before he started the weirdness that he's in now, like, when I watched him on Tough Enough, it was, like, he had, like, the whole potential in the ring. He seemed like an interesting, quirky kind of guy. And then once I saw him start to toy with the idea of a queer character, because really he was just playing off of, like, a stereotypically gay uh, persona that he was doing in the beginning and I was like maybe this could this could go somewhere because you know being the drag race fan that I am I like first thing I went to I was like okay don't halfway it like go all the way in I want to see you get contoured to death I want like just do it all the way out and then it turns into this well it's weird because it it's like a it's like a stereotype like if you First off, you're going to be a straight person playing a gay character. You're already walking a very, very fine line, especially in today's modern society. But if you're going to do something, a character, a gimmick, especially like a gimmick, not just like a character, a gimmick, not that being gay is a gimmick, but doing like a drag character would be a gimmick. Like you need to go full force. And his is just like I – saw some pictures of Prince and I know that he says like we are gathered here today and he wears a bandana. Honestly, like Patrick Clark looks like a little kid dressed up like Jimi Hendrix trying to be Prince and who doesn't know how to do any of that. Right. Yeah. And especially like when you have so many characters prior to this that have played uh, that were like queer characters and stuff like Gorgeous George, for instance, and Adrian Adonis back in the days. And then, like, the most prolific one, I guess you could say, would be Goldust uh, that we had. And they went all the way, you know? And, right. and like, they, and even going like, all the way, 
Right. They did. But and even going under all the way, like there were moments that were uncomfortable. Like you yeah. and gold dust over the years really evolved and changed. And like, you know, there have, you can, especially like being, I don't know, quote, I don't, quote, like woke now going back and be like, <laughs> but like yeah. gold dust specifically, I think that he really tried to do something and I don't think he ever was trying to be disrespectful. And he also like evolved with the time and evolved with his character. Right. Um, so I think Patrick Clark is just not, this isn't, I don't know him and this all of a sudden just turned into shitting on Patrick Clark, but I don't think Patrick Clark is smart enough to do any of that, honestly. Right. Yeah. No. Or, or not, are not willing to do the work to do it. I agree. And honestly, agree. in this day and age, I would rather see queer characters that are played by queer people. Right. Exactly. Like it's, and that's, you know, yeah, I mean, that's really it. Like it's the same thing in so many other facets of our lives now. It's like, you know, I want, you know, black characters to like black characters. I want, you know, like people that understand what that character would be in order for it to work. And like, you know, like you said, like with Goldust, he evolved with the time. So that was like as good as you could get. You know, especially right. when it's like a, you know, middle-aged white man from Georgia is like, you know, <laughs> you're lucky. We're lucky that we even got that. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, like outside of, and like the thing is, for me, especially seeing outside of the United States, how queer culture, like queer characters and queer culture is more accepted um, as not just being bad guys. Because like, you know, more often than not, when you introduce a queer character in professional wrestling or many like movies and things like that, they're the villain. Right. Cause it's like the, they like gay panic. Like, Oh my God, if you are near me, then like it's all of like a lot of what gold dust characters was, he would like kiss other guys and then they would be like, Oh my God, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> exactly. <So> right. <laughs> right. But like when you go to, of course, like you still have that in like, that kind of gay panic, but like, so places like Mexico and you have the Exoticos like Pimpinella Escalata on, uh, that we've seen on Lucha Underground. And there's another, uh, big one down there, Cassandra. And it's, but they're still treated as equals. Like, it's not like, okay, this person is a, you know, they're gay. So they're less than it's like, okay, this is a person that you have to, you know, they are a wrestler. They are somebody that you have to deal with. Just also, like, Pimpinella was like full babyface on Lucha Underground. Everyone loved face. Pimpinella. Everybody, because Pimpinella is freaking the fantastic. best, the the absolute best. Like the fact that yeah, it was just the best. And if you guys have not seen, I'm pretty sure if you're watching this, you're in our group, our little right, bubble, probably. so you've seen Lucha <laughs> Underground. And if you haven't, please go watch. <laughs> so it will be on Netflix soon. Yes, it will be, which is uh, very interesting to see that, like, it's becoming, like, professional wrestling is, like, it's becoming very mainstream now uh, in that, like, well, more mainstream. Lucha Underground is so accessible, too, because it's filmed more in the guise of, like, a television show that happens right. to have wrestling in it um, yeah. instead of just, like, a wrestling show like WWE. So, like, I think that's the perfect place to go after like a season wraps up, definitely put their seasons on Netflix. Like it would make no sense if you put like raw on Netflix, but it's yeah. underground. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I binge watched the first season of 
Lucha Underground because uh, I, I got on the bandwagon like way after the fact, and it is perfect for binge watching because it's you know it's episodic, it's it's very much has like the feeling of a telenovela, which is just yeah yes it's the the absolute uh best i started watching drag race and lucha underground the exact same way i just happened to have el rey network and i just happened to have a logo so like this is logo is obviously or drag race was obviously years ago but i was just watching logo randomly and then they showed a preview for like the first season of drag race and they were like coming soon rupaul's drag race and i was like oh well i love rupaul so i'm obviously gonna watch it so i i literally have been watching since the premiere not because i'm some kind of like rupaul mark but because i was like just happened to be watching tv and was like I'm gonna watch that show. So I've been like a fan of that show since. And the same thing happened with Lucha Underground. I literally was getting back into wrestling and just put in wrestling in my like TV. And it was like upcoming uh Lucha Underground. And I was like, that seems cool. I'll record the first episode. <laughs> so right. I've actually been watching from the beginning for both of them, but like just by happenstance. Yeah. Yeah, with me it was uh with- And I'm OG, they're both. Yes, OG on both. For me with Lucha Underground, it was very much, I, I saw the hype and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll go and track it down. And like, because I was going to, so I tried to watch from the beginning. And I signed up because like, I've, I cut the cable in 2012. So I haven't had TV. I don't know what I would ever. do without cable. Me and my boyfriend watch so much TV. <laughs> So I got Sling TV, and that's, you know, basically cable uh, for, like, 25 bucks. And back then when I tried, like, two years ago, it was hot garbage. Uh, it, would, it was super glitchy and things like that. So I just never actually got around to even watching it until way after the fact I got the subscription. And then I started watching. I binged through the whole thing. I was like, oh, this is the most fantastic thing ever. And with Drag Race for me... It was, it was random as hell. Like, I think I was just, I, I forgot what channel it was way the hell back in the day. But, like, I like anything. It started on Logo. So, it, like, it always started on Logo. So, yeah, that's where it had, it had to be. Because I would just, like, there would be times where I would just, back in the day when I had, like, the three 400 channels, I would just sit there and just right. click until something. And... Logo way back in the day was like almost exclusively reruns of TV shows that you liked. So it'd be like the Golden Girls and like Roseanne. Right. And you're like, oh, I don't got anything better to do. I'll watch the Golden Girls. And then they started doing the original programming, like Drag Race. Right. And like, I like anything that's creative based. So like creative and competition based, I guess you'd say. So like the, all the cooking shows and America's Next Top Model, uh, uh, run, uh, what was it? Project Runway? Project Runway. There was another, there was a cu- couple other like, you know, off-brand ones like that too. And then like Face Off was another one on sci-fi that I like love right. to watch. Face Off and RuPaul's Drag Race are the only like competition shows that I watch because I like that they, I mean, there's drama in them obviously, but I, I like the judges in both of them. I like the creative concepts and I like that there's no like bullshit of them like in their hotel rooms and stuff like that. I like that it's like literally just about the competition. Just exactly. Just competition. Like that was one of the main reasons why like I kind of started to shy away from watching like uh, like Project Runway and a lot of it was like, okay, I don't need this extra. Yeah. Like I want drama, but like I don't. I want drama from the competition, not because, exactly. like, you're sleeping with each other or whatever. Exactly. It's like, I'm more worried about, you know, why the cast has not set on sci-fi as opposed to, you know, 
who was making noise in the closet, you know, last night. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I want somebody running around and being like, her dress looks similar to mine, and I it's season eight of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I don't know how to sew. <laughs> yes, yes. So How do any queen go on Drag Race and not know how to sew anymore? You should have learned that from the first season. God damn I it. I learned how to sew from my mom. Like, my mom and my grandma, ye- like, years ago, she was like, look, I am not going to sew this shit for you when you become an adult. So you can learn this shit now or pay for it. And I was like, well, fuck it. I guess I'm going to fucking learn how to sew then. I love how many independent wrestlers and even, like, bigger wrestlers now, like, I love how many of them make their own gear. They're like, yeah, I know how to sew now. Like, I just made my own gear. Right. And like you kinda I know you kinda to, have like, to, but it's also like I mean, like you could find a costumer if you wanted to. Like I I don't I know how to sew, I don't like to sew, so I pay people to do my burlesque costumes, but I think it's just like so I don't know, badass that like Candace LeRae's like, Oh, I just sewed up my new gear, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh like an awesome thing. Like I like I like that so many of them are actually creative people as well. Like yeah. gear has evolved to such a just awesome level that it, you know, back in the day, it was like, okay, you got red trunks, blue trunks, the occasional black trunks for the bad guy. That's it. And now, yeah. And now, you know, you've got Joey Ryan with the whole, you know, basically Hawaiian shirt as his entire gear. And it's fucking fantastic. It is. Or like uh, Heidi Lovelace or I'm sorry, Ruby Riot and her like sick one legged (laughs) gear. Yes, yes. I want her to premiere. When does she get to premiere? Probably after Mania, right? Uh, so, because she showed up in like the last... Heidi? Hi, yeah. Last night? I haven't Not watched last, last night. night. But in, like in the last uh, group of tapings, apparently she showed up. So, and like she showed up oh, and okay. apparently she's in something with uh, Sanity. So I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I want to I... see Heidi versus... Ruby versus I'm never gonna call her Ruby. I'm just gonna call her Heidi. Heidi versus Nikki Cross. I want to see all day, all night. Oh yeah, and I'm not like I'm never going to call Chris Hero Cassie as Ono because no the I'm just worst name. You know what? Ono the doesn't even name. bother me. The Ono part doesn't bother me. Cassius bothers the fuck out of me. It is the dumbest name for a wrestler. It's a dumb antic antiquated name that doesn't work. It just doesn't. It would have no, been better no. if it was Cassius. Why is it Cassius? Cassius. It's like. It's dumb. And too, like really when, you, I get when the you look at him and you're like, like when you just look at him and then you see the name, like the literally the first time I saw the name, because I saw the name before I actually saw the wrestler. And I was like, okay, I thought it was like an Asian character. And then I go there, I was like, what the fuck is, yeah, what, what is Chris Harrow doing here? I don't know. Just, oh, no. Oh, no. So <laughs> oh, no. He has, they picked like the most broiest of bro rap possible, and it is a whole bad. Bro is such a good name. I know that he like. What? No, it's exactly like Chris Hero is such a dope name, and I don't know. It's so simple and so good and lends itself like. Say, Cassius ain't nothing to fuck with. (laughs) Cassius ain't nothing. Like, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I did like the fact (laughs) the other day. Like when he's going back and forth with uh, with Bobby Roode, or as you say, Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode. Because it reminds me, speaking of drag race, because it reminds me of uh, Bibi Zahara Benet and when RuPaul would go, Cameroon. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, 
you know, when he was like, oh, yeah, Cassius Ono, if that is your real name. I was like, yes. I loved Stop that. Chris Hero, please. This is, yeah. That so, yeah. Which so, is funny because, like, he was on NXT for, like, a long time back before, like, I was watching it. But it's still just like, but you're Chris Hero now. Right. Why Chris can't you just come back as Chris Hero? Nobody right. was watching NXT then. Right. Let's and, like, so it. many other people that have been rebranded, like, they got stuff that made sense or at least were aesthetically pleasing to the ear. You know, Kevin Steen became Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. You know, Sam Elgin Zane is a, became is a great Sam transition Zane. from Generico. It's weird the people who get to keep their names and the people who don't. Like, I want, I would like to know the reasoning behind some of it, but. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Really, yeah. It, it, it is a who knows type of situation. So, I have a question for you. If, do you ever think, I guess not ever, but within like the next 10, ten years or so, do you think we'll actually get a queer character, like a full, uh, that's not like a full blown, but just a character that is known to be queer and it's not like the main focal point of that person's character or the storylines that you would have on WWE TV. I think that, I think yes. I want to say yes. I want to be positive. But I think that if and when they're introduced, they will probably, the first couple storylines will probably be focused on it. And then it it would become like quote normalized. But at the same time, like, you know, we all know that Darren Young is a gay man, mm-hmm. but they don't use that in his character at all, which I like. I mean, I don't like anything that they do with his character, but at least they're not like, Hey, let's trot him out or whatever that. So right. that's good. And like the stuff with Billy and Peyton right now, like, you know, I've talked about it and um, Elle Collins has talked about it on her podcast, hard times pod plug for them. Um, uh, that, uh, it seems like Billy and Peyton are in a relationship and they seem like that they are, you know, more than just friends. Uh, but it's not like their friendship and their support of each other is like the focal point of their uh, characters. But it's not like, oh, my God, look at the lesbians holding hands. So right. I think if we get more stuff like the Peyton Billy thing where it like it obviously will inform their characters because that's who they are. But it's not like the whole point of their character. Mm-hmm. Um I think I, I'm hoping for stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And like, since you are having more and more on the indies because the indies has become the essentially the feeder league for the WWE, right? Um, like you have, you will have more queer characters that are coming up. You have the uh, Sunny Kisses, and you have the Fella Twins, which I think is the best play on <laughs> on names ever uh, as two drag queens. Uh, as a tag team, it's fantastic. So I don't know them. What are where where do they wrestle? Uh, well, like in the like the yeah, but like the Midwest. What are they? The Fella Twins. The Fella Twins. Look them up. It is matter of fact. Well, yeah, look them up. It's it's pretty dope. I have to look them up. They have a drag gimmick. A drag gimmick. But huh? I think like I think it's like they are actually like they were drag queens before the pro right. wrestling as opposed to so. But yeah, it's. It's dope. So I, I do hope, as you said, like I hope that we do get uh, the characters and I hope that they ease it in, uh, you know, with the Billy uh, and Peyton kind of thing that we have going on, which right. I ship the hell out of right now. Hell yeah. Um, oh like, my God. The fellow twins outfits are insane. Exactly. It's <laughs> fantastic. Oh my God. <laughs> stroke my ego shirt. I want to stroke my ego shirt. <laughs> That's so great. Sorry. I had to no. take that in Google. <laughs> oh yeah, you have to. 
But I like the fact that like the first Fella Twins that shows up on mine is uh, the Bella Twins with Seamus' face and pose. <laughs> and we know how you feel about Seamus. So. I don't know why. I just like, like two years ago, I would have been like, ew, gross. But like him right now, I'm into him right now. He does have some pretty, he has some pretty nice thighs. I'll give him that. Yeah, great thighs. His hair is a little bit darker, so it's not like crazy, like caricature of like an Irish person. So yeah. like Mohawk is fine and he's got like the like grumpy, I don't know. Him and Cesaro, I ship him and Cesaro there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He knows how to dress now too. A few years yeah. ago, he dressed he's like a lot crap. less dorky. He's just like, he looks like more of like a fucking like Celtic warrior or whatever. He just looks less like a orange-headed dork and more like a hot guy with big thighs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's so that's going to be like the short description that you have. Hot guy, nice thighs. Uh, for yeah, hot guy, nice okay. butt. Hot guy, nice thighs. <laughs> hot guy, good face. <laughs> Look, again, I say this all the time. I don't watch wrestling for all of the attractive people, but it is very helpful. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Like anybody that says in like this. So this is one of the things that I, I see a lot on uh, Twitter, especially like you see guys that are like that will like talk down to women on Twitter, like especially like Roman Reigns fans, um, female Roman Reigns fans. They're like, oh, you're just watching it because you're because he's attractive. It was like you motherfuckers watch for the same thing. Like right. you watch for attractive to so you. Like if you have an ugly guy. You guys aren't going to gravitate towards him more often than not. Like, really, who are you? If you have somebody that looks like James Ellsworth or somebody that looks like Roman Reigns, who are you going to gravitate towards? Let's be serious here. People. Also, for the longest time, the women's wrestling was literally for you to just look at and be like, oh, that girl looks hot in her panties. Right. So, like, don't come for me. Also, there's this thing on the Internet or in in the world where, like, men want to be like, oh, well, how come you can look at a guy and be like, oh, cute butt, but, like, guys can't be like, oh, that girl's, like, super fine. And it's like, well, first of all, their keyword intention. Most right. of the time when guys are doing that kind of stuff, it's to, it's to, like, it's not just saying, like, I'm commenting on that person's, like, good looks. They look good. It's, like, a weird power play, and it's also, like, um, making that person seem like a thing that you get to ogle instead of just, right. like, commenting on somebody's beauty. And also, like, there's a little bit of reciprocity here. Like, you don't get to do it anymore. I get to do it. Shut up. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's, like, a little bit baby, but, like, it's for real, okay? Like, <laughs> if I want to talk about Dean Ambrose's but again. Okay, leave me alone. <laughs> right. Yeah, and like, uh, hell, I talk about female wrestlers, commentators all the time. Like, I will... Right. Like, they can be super on. hot, and right. you can acknowledge that they're super hot because they are, but you right. are also talking about their, like, talent in the ring or their talent on the mic or how much you love their character. Like, being hot doesn't... It just can't be the only thing that you're focused that on. That you're focused on, right. And, like, or, that's the thing. Like, a lot of times they don't differentiate between... so. Like when I say, or not just me, but anybody says, okay, that person is attractive. That's not the same as saying, holy shit, that person's attractive. I want to take them to the back and fuck the shit out. Right. Like, or like adding Sasha Banks and being like, oh my God, you're so hot. I want to lick your face. Like, right. I would never at like EC3 and be like, I want to lick your face. <laughs> but I'll like talk about it on the podcast about how his face is lickable. But like, I'm never going to go out of my way to make that person uncomfortable sexually. Right. Not that like EC3 would care, but like, it's a weird 
act to like at somebody famous and like obviously they they know that people think they're attractive and stuff or like have crushes on them but it's a weird like power move to be like i'm gonna at you and tell you how much i want to like you know rub your body like that is like a weird mini act of violence that like a lot of women don't do and a lot of men do yeah like i said not all women not all men i understand but you know because there's that girl that says the face fuck me fin girl so like there are there are all types (laughs) That was like a precursor to the uh, Tom Phillips stuff that's going on right now. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so stupid. <laughs> and, and there's a Tom. Also, Phillips who would have sex too. with him after he sent that photo of his face where he was like right. smushing his face and making like a silly face, and he was like, "I'm rock hard. I'm gonna fuck you." <laughs> Tom Phillips, get your life together. And like you said, the dorkiest fucking picture possible, and it was like. But- you can send those photos after you've had sex with someone, not before. Not before. And, like, the whole, the fact that he was so, like, the juxtaposition of the two is what, like, is what got me. So, like, the first thing I saw was the picture. I was like, huh. And then you scroll down this, and it's just like, what is this? I just can't wait until the new day, get a hold of it, and just... Just rib him into oblivion because that's that, going to be fantastic. I bet that like Vince McMahon or Triple H or whoever was like, New Day, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed <laughs> to say anything about it. Biggie, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> right. But we all know it's going to happen at some point and it's going to be fantastic because Tom Phillips is Big E's number one target when it comes to the slander. And it's fan fucking tastic. Fan fucking tastic. Oh, Big E. I love, <laughs> love him. I oh yeah, I love that. Like his main goal right now is to maybe have sex with that ice cream cart. Oh, he's definitely having sex with that ice cream cart. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't just lick an ice cream cart like that if you haven't been intimate. <laughs> exactly, and in front of so many, like all these people, men, women, children, everybody is seeing that. Yeah, you you have you have had your genitalia within that object. It's uh, I love that. Uh, Xavier Woods, like, just, like, will side-eye him, like, what are you doing? Yes. And the fact that there's so much sexual innuendo in all of their promos is the best thing. And, like, some of the stuff, I don't I don't even, I'm pretty sure to this day that Vince McMahon doesn't even know what half of that stuff, or half, oh, 90% no of way. what that stuff is. There is absolutely no way. Like, the, you know, the first time I noticed it was when it was, like, the, hey, hey, we want some new day. And I was like, oh, I they definitely don't know where that came from. Because there is no no fucking way on earth that they are going to let two live crew lyrics be used on. And then the other thing too was like when when uh the crowd started doing it to Bailey, like I felt kinda I felt some type of way about that, <laughs> knowing where it came from. So right. yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, ah, that's uh kind of problematic, but it's still hilarious nonetheless. Um so but yeah. Biggie has most definitely uh, fornicated uh, with that cart. And I will be buying ice cream whenever the fuck it comes out. Oh, yes. It has to happen. It, I hope just, it's not a Mania exclusive. I hope they, like, premiere it at Mania, but then, like, we can buy it other places. Yeah. The thing is, like, I'm trying to figure out where the hell they would sell it. Because, like, everything that they do Walmart, seems to be Kmart. sold. Everything seems to be sold through only FYE. So, like, all the special edition, like, Funko Pops, uh, are sold through FYE. Bootios is only sold at FYE. And it's like, come on now. You can buy Bootios on their website now, though. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I did see that the other day when I ordered my Bootio's lunchbox. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a Star Trek lunchbox, so and a Spice Girls lunchbox. I don't really need another one. Though I've considered getting a Money in the Bank lunchbox. <laughs> that you know what? I've actually well, I was I almost ordered the Money in the Bank briefcase, but I was like, that might be too much. That yeah. was. That but it's be. so cool. Like, it, oh yeah, it's so cool. Like, like, that's like a cool like bit of decor. Just there's one bar that we go to that has a money in the bank briefcase hanging from the ceiling, and I think it's really funny. That is fantastic. Hanging so listening, hanging on the wall would be like, all right, that's kind of lame. But they've got it hanging from the ceiling. That yeah. if I bought one, it would for real be hanging in the ceiling in my den. It would just be like on the ceiling. <laughs> and people who get it would get it, and other people would be like, I don't know, she's weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know my friends, so I know my friends would try to yank it off the ceiling. So uh, that's just not yes. gonna happen. It's yeah, no. <laughs> Just no. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So I asked, like, uh, you know, I had Aaron on the other day and, you know, we talked about a bunch of different things and so on and so forth. So probably these are going to end up being like the standard questions that I ask everybody that comes on to my revolving door of a podcast. And so when did you get into watching professional wrestling? Um, probably when I was like young, like eight or nine, um, I got into it with my dad. My dad is, uh, a redneck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad ha- is in the military and has like a NASCAR tattoo and is <laughs> that person. <laughs> so we used to watch, and, but my dad is also like a big kid. Like I'm an only child. And so uh, and I'm also like, my parents were very young when they had me. So my dad was literally kind of like a kid when he was raising me. Mm. Uh, but we would like, all we would do, especially in the summers, like we would pull our, one of our mattresses out into the living room and we would make a bed and we would watch cartoons and wrestling all day. Nice. <laughs> Sometimes we'd watch NASCAR. I watched a fair amount of NASCAR growing up too. Um, I would still go to like a race cause going to the racetrack is actually really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 16, my dad bought me a race car and was like, you're going to be a race car driver. And I was like, no, please go take that back. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to do that. He bought me like a box car and was like, I'm going to paint it pink. And we're going to, and I was like, dad, I don't want to be a race car driver. I actually really regret that because I like driving really fast. So I should have yeah. done it. But I also was like, dad, no, you can't just make me be a race car driver. <laughs> so I have a question. Have you done a race car driver inspired burlesque show yet? If that's even possible. No, I don't think there are, I don't think there's a lot of overlap of like burlesque dancers who love wrestling. I don't know if there's a huge overlap of burlesque dancers who are like really into NASCAR. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not into NASCAR anymore. Like I really only watched with my dad. Um, Like I couldn't tell you like any drivers now. My dad loved Kyle Petty, which is really funny because he was always a terrible driver. My dad loves NASCAR, so he obviously like loved wrestling, and we uh, we would watch it together. And uh, we watched primarily like Attitude Era stuff. But then um, when I was, you know, like a teenager and you know fighting with my parents all the time, I was just like, Ugh, "Fuck this! Fuck you! Fuck everything!" Right. <laughs> of course. Right. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. So when it comes to like, so okay. So for those of you that don't know Stella's background. She is also a burlesque dancer. Uh (laughs) How long, how long have you been doing that also? That's. I've been doing burlesque since 2011. So I've been in some type of performance art theater since I was like nine years old. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, went to college for theater. I have a couple degrees in like 
theater. I, I really, really wanted to be a classical actress. Um, so I used to do a bunch of Shakespeare and stuff. Um, but I found that I didn't really want to be a working actor because it's just like, it's actually not very fun, like the hustle part of it. And I was like, I don't want to live my life like gig to gig. That sounds terrible. Right. Um, also specifically because I wanted to do classical theater. The thing with classical theater is that classical theater is free to do. <laughs> so a lot of the people who are directing and putting on shows, unless you're some of the bigger companies, and even with some of the bigger companies, like I hate Chicago Shakespeare. I think they're one of the worst like fraudulent companies in the city. Like they are terrible. But that's the my shade. opinion. <laughs> yeah, they're, oh, their Shakespeare makes me want to punch walls. It's so terrible. Anyways, um, I like, I would do these plays that with like directors who like didn't know what was going on. And I like was in all these awful classical theater plays. And I was like, I'm just depressed all the time. Um, because like I'm, I'm doing technically what I love, but like I'm doing it in a way that I don't like it. But I had been performing for so long that I was like, I still want to perform. And through college, I'd like written a paper about burlesque and gone to some burlesque shows. So I kind of just like started doing burlesque and then I transitioned from doing like theater to just burlesque. And that's all, that's the performative aspect of my life now is. Uh, fancy stripping. <laughs> <laughs> fancy stripping and Brie Bella costumes at that. Well, yeah. So my, my thing, like I do classic burlesque, but I mostly do what's called nerdlesque. Um, so nerd-lesque. I mostly do character based burlesque. So like I have an incredible Hulk number and I have a Spock number and I have a Brie Bella number and I have a CM Punk number and I have a Ren and Stimpy number. Like I like doing characters and like finding out like the reason that they would strip and like putting on like a mini like it's like a mini play but just happens to have like burlesque in it mm, interesting and now i have to see this ren and stimpy one i think i've seen most of the other ones either on instagram it's or like eight have minutes long it's crazy <laughs> it's it one of my favorite numbers to do but it's really messy it's like it's i mean it's a, ren and stimpy it has oh, to yeah, be messy. It's, it's great um it's really fun I, lo- I love that number. I am obviously Stimpy because uh, my character um, or like my persona in, in Burlesque, I am, you know, I can do the like sexy, smoky eye, whatever, but I mostly just make like weird faces and I love to do numbers that are like very silly. So um, Ren and Stimpy is the one where I get to make the best faces throughout all of them. Fantastic. So where what is your favorite era of pro wrestling? Thus far. Thus far. Thus far. Um, I don't know. Like, the only two eras that I, like, really watched in is, like, I watched the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. And I obviously have nostalgia for that. But I really like the era we're in right now. I love how amazing, like, the indie scene is. Like, I love going to shows and seeing all these people and how that seems to be, like, this own, like, separate, large living entity, like, in a, you know... I'm maybe speaking out of my butt because I didn't watch for re- I didn't watch wrestling for a long time, but it seems to like really be in like a renaissance where like people are really excited about indie shows and like anybody that watches WWE in our circles like also watches all these other indie shows and I like the way that the a lot of the shows whether it's a big show or otherwise are focusing more on women and pushing women and the like crop of women wrestlers that are out there that I've seen have overall been like really fantastic like we live in a time where there are Heidi Lovelaces and Kimberly's and Ember Moons and you know Sasha Banks and all of you know Jessica Havoc who I love like all these people who are incredible on different like levels different shows 
So like, I don't know, maybe that's like a dumb thing because I'm not like, oh, I love when Macho Man was around. But like, I like the time that we're in right now. I feel very lucky that this is the time that I'm like really into wrestling. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, no, it definitely makes sense. And like, I think nostalgia tends to paint a lot of people's uh, memories of how good those eras were because right. most of the stuff back then was trash. Like I went back recently, like, so for the past two Royal Rumbles, I've gone back and watched older Royal Rumbles. And it's just like, I, I like, I, I can't even explain how terrible most of them were. Well, Not only from like the characters to the actual ring work, because things have grown leaps and bounds right. uh, since then. So. You, we remember things in chunks. Like we remember yeah. the, you know, Austin Stone Cold Steve Austin saying like Austin three sixteen, I just kicked your ass or or whooped your ass or like you remember, you know, the DX moments. You remember moments. You don't remember whole shows or whole right. pay per views. Well, I'm I'm saying you don't as in like the us collectively. Like I'm right. sure there are people who are like well, I remember every second of WrestleMania twenty four or whatever. Right. Uh, but like, so it's you can you know. Make you can there's like a big nostalgia for it, but like you know even right now, like I said, I love the time we're in now. There are whole episodes of Raw where I'm like, Ugh, why do I do this? Why do I do this to myself? This sucks. Like it's just it's there's so much wrestling, particularly like weekly with WWE. Like not all of it's gonna be amazing, but like the things that are really good, I'm very excited about. Definitely, yeah. No, I completely yeah. Just like you said, we remember in chunks because it's like for every Austin three sixteen. And, like, the birth of Stone Cold Steve Austin, you have the really obscure, stupid characters like Quang or or just all these other random just garbage matches. And, yeah, like, how poorly they would handle things like groups like the Oddities and stuff like that. And it was just like, yeah, that shit really wasn't as good as we remember. Right. <laughs> so, and... One of the other things that, you know, we kind of talked about one problematic uh, wrestler earlier. But at the same time, things can be problematic and we can still like them. Ugh, sorry my goddamn life right now. I've been getting trolled on the internet about my love about Austin Aries. I get it. <laughs> well, so yeah. So Aaron and I talked about, the, about that the other day. Like, Austin Aries is just such an interesting case study in that he is, one moment will just be the most woke person in professional wrestling, and then the next, like, 30 seconds later, just spew nonsense. So, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, a, he's, like, I get that he's done some things that are not great, the Christy Hemi thing and all that other stuff, and I, I have, you know, personally, like, looked into it, and I've come to the conclusion that, like, you know, he apologized, he paid a fine, it was a long time ago, not that it's okay. Me saying this does not make it okay. But in the grand scheme of horrible things that wrestlers have done, it's not its not the most unforgivable thing, right? right? So, like, people still love Macho Man, and he, like, abused his wife for a really long time. And people love Stone Cold Steve Austin and accept his, like, you know, grievance for beating his wife. Like, there are, there are bad things that, like, people love AJ Styles, even though he's said many awful homophobic things. Like, the gay is, community... Yeah, it is a being a wrestling fan can be being a intelligent intelligent can be an elitist word. Being somebody who cares about you know, I don't know, being PC or being conscious, it can be hard to be a wrestling fan. You have to find the things that, you know, does this person's persona and character work 
outweigh the shitty things that they may have done for you. Right. It's okay. It's a personal thing. It's okay if you don't want to like Austin Aries. It's still okay if I love Austin Aries. I do. <laughs> I just love him, okay? I love him, okay? I love him. <laughs> so <sighs> I take it that he's probably – because the question was going to be is who's your favorite problematic wrestler? Oh, yeah. Austin Aries, definitely. Oh, Austin Aries. What is it that you call him? The sexy scumbag? Yeah, sexy dirtbag. Sexy dirtbag. I just, I also specifically like, I really love watching him wrestle. Like his persona and him on commentary, all of that stuff is like icing on the cake or whatever. I love his style of wrestling. I love the weird little jumps he does. I love his moveset. I like his attitude in the ring. Like I love watching Austin Aries wrestle and that should be one of the most important parts of having a favorite wrestler. And I, I could watch him wrestle any day of the week. I remember when I was going out about Austin Aries and I was freaking out when he came to NXT and you were like, ugh, what are you talking about? And then he had a match with Nakamura and you're like, oh, I get it. I get it. Cause like I didn't watch TNA for the longest time on principle because like, so I, so I was an OG TNA, uh, perfect, like wrestling watcher, like back in the days of like when they had like Elix Skipper and, uh, not Elix Skipper, but there was um, a bunch of WCW cast offs right. went over to, uh, TNA and they had, they would just have the most insane matches and like still one of, like to this day, one of the best professional wrestling spots that, I have ever seen was when I forgot what his name is, but he's walked on the edge of the top of the cage, like walked around it and then did a Frankensteiner off of the cage. And it was like at least a good 15 foot drop. Ah. One of the best things I have ever seen in my life. Like a lot of spots that we see in WWE now originated in TNA um, and like back then it was great. And then Dixie Carter came along and Jeff. It was Jr. Elix Skipper that did the cage. Yeah, it was Elix. Right. So like you I had, I need to know things. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah, now I'm the same way. Like I will be walking around places and Google is on blast at all times. Like that's, <laughs> it's, it's just there. But like once like Dixie Carter came around and Jeff Jarrett and like, they started doing creative and it was just like, what is this? You know, like around right around the time that it became hashtag LOLTNA, I was, you know, I completely checked out. So like Austin Aries and AJ Styles and, you know, so many other wrestlers that I was just like, I, you know, I just didn't get to see them not so much in their primes because most of them I would say are in their primes now, especially somebody like AJ Styles because AJ Styles can have a fucking, four and a half five-star match with a saltine so if he could yeah we were talking about that on the podcast uh last night like he if anybody can have a good match with shane and like make it okay it's aj styles yeah i still don't want to see that match i mean i still want to see it either but like if i gotta watch it i'd rather watch it with aj it has to be yeah oh almost definitely like he could carry anybody to a fucking fantastic like there are two there is like only a handful of people that have the ability to do that. Like, you know, we've seen it with like three people come to mind when you want to think of that. And that's AJ Styles, uh, Kenny Omega, because Kenny Omega wrestled a nine-year-old and it looked like a competitive match. So good. So good. <laughs> and Kota Ibushi, because he wrestled a blow-up doll multiple times. And so did Kenny Omega. And 
and they were awesome matches. So, you know, yeah, fantastic uh, <laughs> people there. But like with like that was the thing. Like a lot of those people, like like I said, Austin Aries. I just I didn't get a chance to see him in his prime the past few years because it was just like. I just wouldn't, I just refuse to watch, you know, and you can call well, me. You know. And honestly, like I, with all the shit that's going on now, I feel like kind of betrayed and personally attacked. So like, I don't, as of right now, we have a ban on the podcast right now where I'm not going to talk about TNA and the podcast because like, I feel really pissed about it. And I don't know if I'm going to continue to watch it because like all the reasons I was watching it and championing it, like most of the, those reasons have gone away. And now it's like ADR and shit. Like, I don't. I didn't care about ADR in the beginning. I'm not going to care about at WWE. I'm not going to care about ADR now. And now I'm just like pissed that you're fucking with this thing that I liked. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like I did. I started to pay attention. Th- thanks entirely to Matt Hardy. Had it not been right. for, and like I didn't and like when it first happened, I ref, I didn't I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I don't. I don't tend to like the off the wall, all the way out there, like Eric Andre style or Tim and Eric style, you know, comedy type things. And then I started to come around on the broken universe. And then I started to watch like the knockouts and, you know, so many other like awesome things that they have going on there. And it's like, right when I start to enjoy this product, y'all do this. Like you brought in ADR who is, who has shit the bed everywhere has shit the bed everywhere that he has been to in like the past decade, basically. Then you brought on, you know, Dutch Mantel or uh, whatever the fuck racist character he was on uh, WWE. And it's just like, why are you doing this? You're losing. Sucks. Like I felt like I championed it. And now I'm like, well, you guys literally just like shit the bed. Yeah, I know everyone's like, that's what TNA does. And it's like, yeah, but I just wanted to have faith. But the thing is, like, they weren't shitting bed, the bed for the longest time. Like, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't have to change the sheets for a good two years at least. And I know, but like, they lost the Bennetts. They lost the Hardys. They lost Jade. They lost Drew Galloway. All the best parts. Like, they have a handful of people left over. And, and honestly, it's going to be like, it's gonna be inter- it's gonna be interesting to see how many of those handful like stay. Like, right. I don't think EC three is gonna stay. Mm-mm. No, and I know like EC three has been anti WWE for like the past ever since he was let go. He is he has had right. an axe to grind with. But it's like at the same time, like it, had he not been let go by the WWE, he would not be EC3. the wrestler that he's turned into now. Like same with Drew Galloway, honestly. Oh my god, like. The fact that Drew Galloway went from being 3MB, just random 3MB member, to Drew Galloway, you know, the heartthrob that he is now, it's like... The Scottish man of my dreams. <laughs> yeah, that is a that is an attractive man. Like, that, so you know... So tall. So tall. It's so honestly, tall. like, height has never been, like, an attractive thing for me. I'm always like, okay, people are certain heights. Like, my first boyfriend was, like, significantly shorter than me, like... It's never been like a thing, but like for some reason with Drew Galloway, no, I'm like, you're attracted oh, to Austin Aries. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bother me. Like people's heights don't bother me because I'm much more interested in their like face and their butts. <laughs> right. Ah, yes, butts. <laughs> One of the things that we also talk about. Butts, on, butts, yeah. butts, butts. Butts, so many butts. And something that, I, that you and I talked about the other day 
was uh, the fact that the Brian Kendrick wears pants that you have to have a good butt to wear. He has a terrible butt. He has the, the most white boy butt I've ever seen. So bad. So, He's got so a worse bad. butt than Kevin Costner, and Kevin Costner has a terrible butt. Never seen, or I've never paid attention to Kevin Costner's butt. So <laughs> Well, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. I shall take your word for it. Uh, but yeah. Does not like he has like Instagram model pants, and it's like, don't do that. Don't like if you do not have a good like those pants would work on like a Cedric Alexander, a Naomi, uh, a Neville, people that have good butts. And they just who has a great butt that I just noticed the other day because sometimes you're like, oh, Bailey, Bailey has a great butt, Bailey. Like, I just noticed it the other day because she wears oh, yeah. pants and she like is like you don't think of Bailey in that way because like that's not her character but like I was paying attention to like you know the match and I was like oh oh she got really? a meaty butt <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah like Sean from Cage Side Seats he and I have talked about this ad nauseum at some point where it's like you know like a lot of times people look past it because it's Bailey you know like she's kind of like your like your sister's best friend. You don't really look at them that way. It's kind of like your other, you know, a second sister that you have, but it's like, like Bailey has a really nice butt. <laughs> so Good butt. a great butt, a great butt. And like, you know, it, the pants work for her, but like, you know, there are a lot of other people that are on that just don't do not have good butts when it comes to professional. There are, there is a dearth of good butts in professional wrestling. But luckily, we do have, you know, a good five or six that we see on our television every week that is like, you know what? There are more than five and six good butts. I could name at least ten right now. I'm sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure you can. <laughs> it's okay if you only think there's five, but I can think of many good butts. Uh, so now I'm curious. Okay. Top ten or, okay, yeah. Top I can't ten. top ten because I'd have to think about the order. Okay, ten, just ten good butts, right? Ten here. good butts. Naomi, queen of the butts. <laughs> queen the just a donkey. That thing. Queen is... of the butts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bailey's got a great butt. We just said yep. Dean Ambrose and his little jeans. Great butt. It's little, but it's cute. He's got a cute butt. And yeah, he's got good jeans, but not good everybody jeans. has good jeans, but. <laughs> Jeans, but <laughs> oh, now I feel a lot of pressure. Biggie obviously has a great butt, <laughs> and tricep meat, you know, and other meat. <laughs> yes, chesticles and everything. You know. Biggie, great. Like All- Biggie looks like he gives the most amazing hugs because you know, as we've seen with Natalia's sister, like oh, looks I love like that. Gives, that is my number one ship in professional wrestling. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but yeah, like he looks like he gives amazing hugs. Just, you know, just put that out there. But anyhow, so there's there's four. Now I feel like a lot of pressure. Like I'm going through people's in my head. Uh, Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss has a great butt. Cedric Alexander has a great butt. Mm, I feel like so much pressure. (laughs) I'm trying to think of everybody's like thinking of their faces and then their butts. I know that there are good butts out there. Yeah, there's plenty. Joey of Ryan has a good butt. Joey Ryan's got a good butt. Prince Puma or but Ricochet Prince has Puma, a good butt. Oh my god, yeah, definitely Prince Puma has a good butt. Ooh, Cesaro Prince has Puma's a good got butt. A good everything. 
Cesaro has a good everything. Cesaro's body is top notch. It is. It is top notch bad. Like Cesaro and Ricochet, those are my body goals. Like that's just yeah. Nikki's got a great ass right now. Nikki's Nikki, body is insane right now. Nikki's body is insane. And like props to her for like because like Remember when she was like, the like the fat twin? <laughs> now she's got like this amazing body. She was obviously never fat, but she was like, I'm the fat twin. Right. No, like she always was the twin that just had a little bit more body fat content. Like her jaw was a little bit rounder than it is now. Like, you know, she had it, it is what it is. But like, yeah, like her body is crazy. And like I love the fact that she is open about like everything when it comes to her body, whether it's like exercise or uh, like plastic surgery. And like, I love the way that she clapped back at people like a few months ago that were going at her about the, like the boob job. And it was like, yo, she spent how much on that? That yeah, was like, the most is- ridiculous deal ever to get that kind of job for that little amount of money. Props to her. And you know what? If it makes her feel good, who cares? Exactly. She looks amazing. Becky's got great thighs. I know we're talking about butts, but Becky's thighs are. Whew. Yeah, I love those. And thighs. shoulders, shoulders like Becky's, Becky's shoulders. So she was at the last UFC fight, rooting for one of the fighters, and he oh, lost. I saw she looked so cute. Oh yeah, like super cute, and like the shoulders were in full effect. I was like, yes, shoulders. Under underrated part of the human anatomy that people are attracted to, uh, but Neville's got a great butt. Neville's got a great butt. See, that's like more than ten. We did it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so yeah. Um, next question: What is your favorite dumb thing in professional wrestling? Like the other day, uh, I think uh, was it Aaron? I think she said intergender uh, wrestling was their favorite, like nonsensical thing. For me, it was poison mist, you know, just like things that, you know, stuff like that. So what is your favorite dumb thing in wrestling? And there are many, many dumb things. Okay. It's not that I love the conceit that wrestlers get distracted so easily. (laughs) They're like um, somebody's music will turn, go on and they're in the middle of the match, but they'll drop everything they're doing so they can stare away for 40 seconds while somebody else gets the drop on them. It's so stupid. I also love when um, people are, uh, people kick out of like a two count or like a 2.5 count. And then the person who was pinning them looks at the ref and is just like, Oh my god. Oh my god, what? Like the face of the like it wasn't three the it wasn't three face is my favorite thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when they sit there and argue. And they do the clap thing where they're like, one, two, three, ref. Right. <laughs> it's so stupid and everyone does it. Every single person does that. And it's like, dude, you like there is no board to come out to be like, hey, you know what? We're gonna reverse that decision. It's like, right. no, you you you're not gonna Yes, that is. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho uh, (laughs) the other day. Charlotte has a great one, two, three face, like, or the one, two, I can't believe it wasn't three face. Her face is always like, it's a mix of like shock and like pure blind fury. (laughs) Yes. Charlotte. So there are like a a few people that ever since like the split that have just like the brand split that have just flourished. Charlotte being one of them, because like in NXT, she was kind of like. 
you know, she had good matches, really wasn't all that great on the microphone, even when, like, all the women were all on uh, one roster. It was like, yeah, whatever. But after that, like, once the split, she has just, yeah. the blow-up has been real. Between her not, and Alexa Bliss. The, I used the, to not really care about Charlotte, and now I'm like, yeah, all about oh, Charlotte. Oh, yeah, the same way. Like, Charlotte was just, like, essentially she was just, to me, it was just, oh, here comes Ric Flair's daughter. But right. now, fuck Ric Flair. Like, Charlotte is awesome. Like, probably pound for pound, one of the most athletic people on the roster. Just insanely athletic. And, you know, like, if there ever was an indigenous man. Like, matter of fact, I put out there the other day, like, uh, a list of who was it that said intergender matches didn't work? Jeff Jarrett's monkey ass uh, said uh, that, you know, there's just nothing believable about intergender matches and they've only been done right a couple of times. And it was like, bitch, what? But like Charlotte against so many other, so many male, uh, you know, performers on the roster would be, would put on amazing matches. Charlotte yeah. AJ Styles would be bananas. Charlotte also, versus, I push no. back on the fact that like all intergender matches are not believable because it like really depends on the people in the match. Like some intergender right. matches could be like crazy. Like I mean, I you know, but some like reg like not regular gender, but like same gender matches. Like I mean, I like the story, but Sasha versus Nia is like an unbelievable match. Like it doesn't right. make sense, but it's pro- professional wrestling. Like let's just like get that out there. It's fake, everybody. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like I would it, kill to see Charlotte versus AJ. That would be amazing. Would be absolutely bananas. And like you know, when anytime they bring up the whole realism thing, it's just like okay, like we're watching. It's it's pro wrestling. Like it's yeah. you know one of the ma- like the legends is a fucking you know six or five dead man or whatever, however the tall uh, the Undertaker is. You know, like like within this universe of unbelievability you want to talk about believability right it's so silly yeah it's the, the just the dumbest fucking thing um favorite professional wrestler okay actually no two of so time? two of them so favorite professional wrestler of all time and favorite professional wrestler currently Okay, uh, favorite professional wrestler of all time is Stone Cold Steve Austin, mostly because that's, like, all of the memories I have watching it with my dad, it's, like, mostly Stone Cold. And I, like, that's just what it is. And I've gone back and watched a lot of his matches, and, like, he wasn't ever the best of wrestlers, but he's great at the character stuff, and, like, that's what colored my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, that's my my favorite. Um, Also, like, yes, I understand that he was problematic, but, like, you know... So like it, he's atoned, I guess, and now he's like kind of a spokesperson, or he speaks out for like women, and like I believe that people can acknowledge their mistakes and change. And I'm just, you know, things happen. People are shitty. It's people can grow from their mistakes, but some people, like Jerry Lawler, are just always shitty people. So oh, Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler is Ebola in human form. Yeah, so there are like there's a difference. There's a difference between people like, and it's never okay, and it's never an excuse, and it's never like just because I like you, I'm looking past it. It's like, have you made this egregious error in your life? How have you changed? How have you like atoned for it? And if like that is kind of okay, then like okay, yeah. You are the person that was my favorite growing up. Um, but are you still a shitty human? <laughs> Have right. you never changed? No, fuck you. I don't care if you're the best wrestler in the world. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. Yeah, right. And uh, if current you, favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Current favorite. Yeah. That's so hard because there's so many people that I love. You can get. I'll give you five people that you like right now. Because it is, because it's hard to say, like, since their body of work is okay. still. Five people that I, I am, like, super obsessed with right now Marty Skrull, Drew Galloway, mm-hmm. Austin Aries, um, um, Becky is, has always been one of my favorites. I'm not, like, super in love with everything that's happening right now, but I love Becky. So definitely Becky. Um, and, oh, but I also really love Heidi Lovelace, but I haven't seen her in a while, but she's coming to NXT, so definitely Heidi Lovelace, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I have an alternate? <laughs> sure. No, you can get an alternate. Also, since she's, since she's I, in, yeah. Yeah, because she's not in. I I love Naomi. I, like, genuinely love Naomi. She's the only person I've ever made a sign for. I I freaked out so hard when she won. I'm, like, 100% in Naomi's camp, and I think that she has – just in the like two and a half years that I've been watching in her, like growth has been amazing. Her character development is getting really good. Like I, she's one of those people that like, I don't know her as a person, but like, I feel like I just want the best of things for her, but I also yeah. am really like happy with the stuff that she's doing. Definitely. I want her and, to get better. Yeah. And definitely has one of the best entrances of all time when it comes yeah. to pro wrestling. Like the first time, like so when dope. she came back, it's I was like, dope. yeah, you know, like at first it was like, you know, when she came on, especially like looking back at what she's had before when she was with the Funkadactyls and right. Terrible. all this other hot garbage. And to see this now, like when she first premiered that I was yes, queening, just <laughs> all night long because it's just a, like and everybody that's something that everybody's going to get into because just the energy that she gives off is going to spread throughout the entire arena like it's just bananas and it's like dope theme too because it's just know. like a good wrestler right like and like a good wrestler that came from within like the WWE. Right. You know, uh, system. You know, like a lot of people shit on you know the WWE wrestlers, and it's like, shut up, just just enjoy it. It's good. Enjoy it. If also, they're putting like, on good matches, just enjoy it. Sometimes it's, this happens a lot with the women, and I've talked about it on the podcast before. But like the women now are getting a chance to have longer matches and try new moves and do a bunch of stuff. So. Sometimes their matches aren't the cleanest matches in the world, but I'm so ready to give passes for small botches if you if these women are trying new stuff and pushing their limits like like there are men who do the same match all the time and they have botches like if you are trying something new and it doesn't go over a hundred percent that's okay because you have to try stuff and i would rather see people pushing themselves and pushing their partners and evolving and and becoming better wrestlers than like watching the same matches all the time Oh, yeah. No. I think Naomi is one of those people who, like, tries new shit all the time. And it doesn't always work, but, like, I really appreciate her, like, passion and her, like, wanting to try new shit and grow as a wrestler. Yeah. No, and, and, like, one of the things, too, is, like, for me, like, I I like the feeling of a match more than the execution of moves perfectly. Because, like, being 
a fan of combat sports, so pro, so boxing, uh, kickboxing, MMA, like fights aren't pretty, and I don't think they they should be pretty. Like it should, you know, they are inherently you know violent and ugly things. And like when I see these matches, when you know, if it's a botch or whatever, like that adds that level of like. I guess you'd say believability to it, but like uh, the match where it was uh, Naomi and Alexa Bliss, like even though she didn't catch the full, you know, she didn't land it exactly perfect, it looked brutal. And it added to Alexa moved. It was also partially Alexa's fault. She moved. (laughs) Right, exactly. She moved. And, uh, but of course, you know, like some people get it in their heads. Oh, you know, this was, (laughs) this person botches all the time. So it's automatically going to be their fault. Like I, I find it hilarious. Like people still, uh, tweet the old Sinkara when the new Sinkara botches. So and he constantly has to retweet. Yep, that wasn't me. Uh, that was this Sinkara. So yeah, it's. But like I said, it adds as long as the match feels like it. As long as it feels, you know, like an actual fight. I'm all for it. Like right. you know, like in in so many matches, like uh. You know, and and the other thing is too, like every match can't be, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ricky the Steamboat. Like, you know, that's just not gonna happen, especially when you go into the history of like that match and like they practice that match over and over and over and over again to get it to the point where it, what it ended up being. So it's like just enjoy it for what it is. And you know? Yeah. You, you can't think critically, like I think that's a lot of times like as you know, smart marks is what we're called. A lot of times, like, we overthink things, and sometimes we just can't, we just don't step back and just can't enjoy have fun. it. Like, we can't have fun. Like, watching wrestling could be fun. Yeah, and, like, I know for a fact I do that. There's plenty of times where I'll watch yeah, things, and I'm too. just like, yeah. But it's in the, in the true wrestling fandom, like, we're all hypocrites. We're all like, well, uh, I, I like this wrestler even though he's not a bad person, but fuck that one. I want to light that one on fire. Or like, right. oh, well, I understand what they're doing with this story versus like, oh, well, they're screwing up everything. They don't know what they're doing at all. Or that match looks messy. Or I forgive this person because it like, we are the biggest hypocrites in the world. Yeah. Just- like, but, like, that's part of watching wrestling because you just have a passion and affinity towards some people and you have – you know, you care about it more. And then there's other matches that you're like, whatever, Goldberg. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't be- like, as a, like I was a WCW kid. So like Goldberg was just the greatest fucking thing on earth when I was in middle school. And it was just like, I had Goldberg shirts. I wanted to get that stupid fucking tribal tattoo. Goldberg, Goldberg. <laughs> and now I'm just like, I hate you. I hate you so much, Goldberg. I hate you, Dad. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We're all hypocritical. And <laughs> like, hip- like, being a fan of anything is being a hypocrite, really. Like, if you're yeah. a huge, like, mark for anything, like, you know, there's gatekeeping and there's, like, hip- hypocrisy. But, like, wrestling is such an ever-evolving fandom because, like, there's so much happening all the time that, like, shit happens like we're the biggest hypocrites but we like we like it a lot like our passion is your our passion is outweighs our hypocrisy i guess <laughs> more than that yes, yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so speaking of which like since hypocrisy is one of the things that you know <laughs> so if there was one thing that you could change currently 
in the pro wrestling landscape. It doesn't have to be within like the WWE or like styles of matches. It could be just like pro wrestling fandom as a whole. What would you change if you could just snap your fingers and boom, it's changed? Uh, well, the joke answer that immediately came to my head was no more Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess the idea of that's such a hard question. I don't know. I guess the idea of right storytelling and, and people getting so like upset about that, mm-hmm. uh, cause there is no like right way to tell a story, I yeah. guess. Um, so I guess that's a fandom thing, not like in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, I could do, and I feel like people are better about it now, but I could do less with like hot girl as valet with no character. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine if your valet is super hot, but she also has to have like a reason to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Like Lana used to have a reason to be there and now (sighs) just like hot wife with terrible fashion sense. Oh, that's fashion sense. Oh, that fashion (laughs) sense. (laughs) But yeah, like like you said, like she was, she literally went from being one of the most powerful female characters that we've seen in the WWE to just being arm candy. You know, like the fact that now. The only one that can have me. The only one that can have me. And like the crowd is cheering you like, we want Lana. And not even so much like we want Lana because she's, you know. No, we want Lana. Like, yeah, we want Lana. (laughs) And it's like, eh. How did this come off the rails? (laughs) That's what I constantly. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. How did this come off the rails? Well, it is the human STD known as Dolph Ziggler. That is how this came off the rails. Trash. <laughs> uh, absolute trash. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, and I'll throw a curveball. So I know you go to, like, indie shows pretty often. Uh, uh-huh. more, way more often than I do. <laughs> well, I am blessed to live in Chicago, which where yeah, there is amazing... All the pro wrestling happens. Like we have, yeah. like, I have like two shows down here. And it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, who are some people that you one think people should look out for? You know, uh, if they're ever in your town or whatever. And two, that you would like to see on the big stage. Hmm. <laughs> Well, it's hard because there were so many people who were my favorites who, like, left. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see – so we were talking about this last night on the podcast. Uh, Chuck Taylor is the best. He really is. He's the best. And, like, I don't want to see him get go to the big stage and have everything about him change. Like, if Chuck Taylor goes anywhere, it has to be Chuck Taylor. Right, it has to be like he, they have, he's so funny and like weird and so good. Like his, the Chuck, the, you know, Kentucky gentleman character is great. The Dustin character in Chikara, Chikara is amazing. Like he is endlessly talented and he's a good wrestler. Like he's great. Um, I also am like a huge Trevor Lee fan, not on TNA. I think his character on TNA is awful, but his character on the indies is really silly and fun. And I love that. And he's also an incredible wrestler. One of the best matches I've ever seen was between Chris Hero and Trevor Lee. And it was like, it was mind blowing. Like Trevor Lee is like 22 and he's so 
fucking good. I've never seen a bad match with him in it. Like I've seen like, you know, not the greatest matches or, but like Trevor Lee has always been good in every match I've ever seen him in. And I, I adore him. He's so great. And he's so nice. Like, cause I like, I bought like a t-shirt from him. I've talked to him like once or twice. Like he's so nice and he's so good and he's so young that like, I, I want to see like amazing things for him, but like, I want them cause he, you know, he's like the Carolina caveman. He like looks, uh, he's got a big beard and like, looks like, you know, what a dim boys or whatever, but he's so silly. Like he comes out to uh, Taylor Swift, uh, shake it off and does like little dance moves with this like tiny little bud and his big beard. It's so great. <laughs> he's wonderful. I love him so much. Fantastic. And Chuck Taylor has one of my favorite like GIF moments. I know a lot of people like will chastise me saying GIF instead of GIF, but I Who don't cares? care. Yeah, it's not that serious. Their own. Yeah. But serious. Yeah, it's a, a cell that he had. I forgot who it was against. It might have been Trevor Lee. But it was whoever it was bit his dick. And the cell that he had was one of it the wasn't most. It was Trevor Lee. It, well, at least the one at AAW, it was um, Davey Vega. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be it. But he bit his dick for the second time, I believe. And it yeah. was just the most hilarious thing. He's- I've seen his reaction. Well, and I think I was there for that match because uh, they were wrestling and Davey, like Chuck Taylor was like looking at him like, I don't want to wrestle you. You bit my dick. And he was like, I won't do it again. He was like, no, you bit my dick. Who does that? (laughs) It was so funny. Uh, Dick biting. Uh, And that's another thing that tends to be. But it it, it didn't have like, you know, it didn't. It didn't have any sexual connotation. It was just okay. like it was just like a like a heel move that he was like, "I'm losing this match, so I'm gonna bite this person's dick." <laughs> like it was, it's so funny. And like Chuck Taylor wasn't mad because like, well, I'm sure he was mad because he was like kind of assaulted, but he was also like, "Who does that? Who does that? Who bites Who a dick?" <laughs> so funny. Yes, that is absolutely. I also hilarious. am like I I know everyone knows her, but. I love Candice LeRae. One of the best moments of uh, independent wrestling that I've been to is um, Sammy Callahan has the belt at AEW and mm-hmm. he goes off on this. He has like an open challenge. He goes off on this like, there's nobody out there to wrestle me. Stone Cold Steve Austin won't come wrestle me because like Stone Cold had like tweeted him or whatever. And like, he's like, nobody, nobody's like man enough to come wrestle me, whatever. And then Candice LeRae's music hit. And I don't know if I've screamed that loud ever in my life. I like jumped on my chair. I was at the, sh- I took a friend who's never been to wrestling before to the show. I grabbed her face and I screamed into her face. I was so happy and she was so shocked. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, it's camp. <laughs> and they put on a fucking barn burner of a match. It was so good. And she's little and he's short, but he's stocky. Their match was so good. She is phenomenal. And like, she's good when she wrestles other women, but she is the best intergender wrestler. She's so fucking good. Yeah. And she like makes everything look just like everything has impact. Like, yeah. Her yeah. moves have impact, but she's also great at selling. Yeah. Just to yeah. the point where I get like nervous sometimes. She's like one of those people where I'm like, are you actually hurt? Cause I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's in that Sasha Banks range where like they bump like crazy people. Yeah. Just like, I, I am terrified anytime like I watch Candice LeRae or Sasha Banks or like there are so many wrestlers where I'm like, don't do that. Do not like not just male, not just female, but male and female. Cause I'm just like, don't do that. You are hurt. No. 
And false flex is the best move. The best move. It is literally one of the so funny. I love when her and Joey Ryan do the world's cutest tag team because like between the bootplex and the balls plex and like how he's so sleazy, but she's so cute. Like it's the best. Yeah. It is absolutely fantastic. And you know, like I, I agree. Like I hopefully will see Candice LeRae in the WWE, but you know, but see, I'm so torn on that. Like I want her to be in there. Cause like, I'd love for her to be with her husband and I want her the best for her. And I want her to make all the money and for everyone to know her, but also like Candace's true talent is intergender wrestling. Like it yeah. really is. So it's like, it's, it's hard. Cause you're like, I want, I want this, but I also like, but you're really good at the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, that is one of the great conundrums when it comes to, you know, wanting people to come up to the main roster is like you have so many instances where because you know like there's no okay yeah you know they're gonna keep everything it's like no they are going to lose a good chunk of what made you love them because like either one you know whether it be the intergender wrestling because that's just not gonna happen on wwe tv or two it's like most that's a lot of things that they were doing like move sets and so on and so forth we're just there's no way that you can continually do those moves every on the crazy schedule that they have in the WWE because you know the body just doesn't work that way, <laughs> right? So, hey, who's your favorite drag queen? Favorite drag, drag queen from Drag Race? I gotta go with Bob. Like, so Bob, like. Just the person, like personality wise, it was Bob because, like, he that is very similar to my sense of humor and, like, just the comebacks and things that he had. Like, I absolutely loved all of it. And, like, just the way that, like, when he would go into character, it was like it was a force of nature. Um, but, like, I have different for each different facet of drag race, I have. A different favorite, but like all around, it's gonna be. And you gotta know. Yeah, yeah. So like, but all around, I'd say, eh, Bob is probably one. Just because from like the over the top personality, like that's something that I'm all, I'm always like drawn to anybody that has like over the top personalities. Like, like matter of fact, like one of my one of my family members was, I guess you would say, drag. Before I knew what it was and like well this is on like a very my family's very conservative in Bermuda like super conservative seven day Adventist uh you know like women aren't like they don't follow it super strictly but like you know a religion where like women aren't supposed to wear like pants and jewelry and so on and so forth stuff like that like one of my cousins was like just as flamboyant as could be and like I think you know, I always loved when he would come around. And, like, you know, my grandma, one of just one of the most problematic people on earth. I love her to death, but, like, just wildly problematic. Still, yeah, we have this, those people in our lives where you're like, yeah. ooh. Yeah, like, to this day, when I'm 30, I'll be 32 this year. My grandmother will, like, when I call, she still asks me, especially since I live in Atlanta, if anybody has interfered with me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, but, like, back then, like, he was always, like, the life of the party and would just just had personality for days. So, like, I think that might, like, subconsciously have been one of the reasons why I was drawn to Drag Race because he was awesome. People. 
Yeah, he's one of my favorite people. Just like, you know, like I never understood why. Like I always I knew he was different in that like he was just different from like how how a lot of people I I knew uh acted, but like thought he was awesome. And like my grandma would just like say shit like I remember like the first time he came around and my grandma was like, Oh, look at him and I was like Okay. He looks awesome. Right. He's awesome. She was like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's a weird one, you know. And because she would see me, like, I was the kid that stared at people. I still do this to this day. I just, <laughs> I stare at people. I take their face and everything into account. Like, so I would always stare at them. And, like, my grandma, <laughs> just one of the most problematic things I've ever heard. She was like, oh, yeah, see, look at it. It's always the kids and the animals. They always know when somebody's strange. I was like, God. Oh my God. God damn it, man. Grandma. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like, yeah. My grandma is Yeah. She is my (laughs) that's my nana. She is. (laughs) I love that you were like, Yeah, he's amazing. And now I'm obsessed with all of this stuff. All of this stuff is just absolutely fantastic. So you your favorite of all time is Bob. My favorite of all time on the show is Raven. Yeah, but Raven and Jujubi. Rujubi is my favorite. <laughs> you, oh yeah, like that is that is the one-two combo that you kind oh. of have to have. And like, because I was it, I don't know if this was also on Logo, but it was another show. I don't think it was on Logo. I'm not sure which show, channel it was on, but Transcended was another show that I started watching um, last year, and it basically like chronicled the lives of. Uh, a few trans women and like some of them were post-op some of so yeah uh half were post-op half were pre-op so like going through the whole things of like what they experience is dating and you know just going through the process of you know hormones and so on and so forth but the drama that was on this show was fantastic <laughs> just some of the best yeah just just yeah, you gotta watch it. What's it called? Uh, it's called Transcendent. I think it's still on Hulu uh, right now. And like, literally, like some of the most gorgeous women that you will ever see uh, are on that show. Like, there are two in particular that I was like, "Wow, you are drop dead gorgeous." But you know, just drama, all the drama in the world, <laughs> and very much in the same vein of you know. RuPaul's Drag Race, as far as the levels uh, of drama right. that you get. On. Who who has created your favorite looks? <sighs> See, that's, that's the thing. Like, so detox was like when it came to like makeup. That's where it's like right there. I was just like, that is for me. Was just like you know, like we talked earlier, like the whole thing of like watching like uh face off on sci-fi like i'm super into like special effects makeup and things like that and like detox just embodied that completely like the the black and white uh makeup that you did was one of the just so good one of the dopest things i have ever seen in my entire life so i'd have to go with that but like looks i actually uh, there were a couple really dope looks on the previous season of drag race that Bob, uh, that Bob won. Um, Kim Chi had like some Kim of the craziest Chi, out uh, of the box. Her, you know. 
Her gig is so good. She's so fucking good. Yeah. And it was like, and seeing her development, you know, not just as a character, but as a person was like, you know, that's something to like, like her story of like the fact that like family didn't know and all those things was just like, what? This is crazy. And it was like, almost like, almost looked like we saw her grow up uh, during that season, which was dope. Right. Did not like the Britney Spears uh, impersonator. That was Eric? Could not stand it. <laughs> could not stand. And Derek reminded me a lot of um, of Courtney Act, and I can't I can't stand Courtney Act. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was Courtney. like there was just so much about it that was just like, you know, one just the simple fact that you weren't really trying to, you weren't. I didn't. I like during the show. I did not consider her a drag queen. I just didn't, just thought that's okay. That's just a Britney Spears impersonator. You know the fact that you were not go, you were not willing to go all the way into like basically the last portion of the season. She didn't even do her eyebrows. Exactly, like it. It took so long for you to finally say, you know what? I'm just gonna shave these motherfuckers off and actually do this shit properly. That I was like, yeah, no, you, you can't, you can't, you can't sit with us. It's just not. Nope, nope, can't have it. <laughs> Cannot have it. So yeah, those are my. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's probably my two when it comes to those categories. I don't know who created my favorite looks. I loved all of Kim G's stuff. Detox was great. I I adore Roxy Andrews. I know she was a bitch on her season, but she had like the best comeback story on All Stars. Yeah. I like her looks are very classic drag, but I think she executes them flawlessly. Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. And like and creates a like almost cart not cartoonish, but like very sharp. Like when she does her makeup, like this, it's very striking in like how it looks. And of course, you know, like we have our everybody loves Elisa Edwards. And yeah, you know, Elisa Edwards is crazy, but she's not the best drag queen. She's just crazy. Not even close. Exactly. She's just like a human gift machine. <laughs> exactly. She is just Jeff Fodder all day and tomorrow. So. Yeah, it's, but yeah, yeah. There's like there's been so many like dope personalities on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I mean, Bibi Zahara's looks from the first season. I know lots of people haven't seen it because it's like the lost season with like the soft focus and stuff. But like her looks were really good. Yeah, yeah. There were a bunch of like just really, really, really. Nina, um, Nina Flowers. Whew. Yara Sophia. Her shit is great. Yeah. There's, and like, and the thing is, like, there's so many outside of even like the costuming and things like that. Like, some of these people are just fantastic performers, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, just I'm very excited for this season because there's a um, Chicago queen on the show, Shea Coulee, who is amazing. Like, buckle up, everybody. <laughs> yes, she's and- an incredible performer. Her looks are good. Like, I am. I have very high hopes. And I don't like a lot of people that I work with, like know her personally and I've like worked with her. I've just seen her perform. Um, but the Chicago dragon burlesque community is all a tizzy right now. And everyone like knew that she was going to be on it because like when a drag, a very prominent drag queen in your city disappears, 
for right, six yeah. months or two months or whatever it is. And they're like, Oh, I'm on a trip. You're like, yeah, yeah. We know where you are. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you come on now. You, but it's still very, so exciting. many places that you get. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The ultimate shits there. Of course, girl, look how orange you fucking look. Uh, Coco. Just the ultimate shit stirrer on that show. Just I felt really bad for Coco during All Stars because, like, she was like clearly really trying. She just like doesn't get it, <laughs> right? Yeah, just doesn't like it's like so she's many good at her stuff that she does. Right, like she's like not good about like pushing herself outside of her box. Exactly, and like that's how it is. Just with like a lot, I think a lot of performers. Period. They get used to doing one thing. And then they don't want to go outside of the box or or they've just been doing it so long that they can't uh, get outside of that box because they're just they've been so comfortable within it for like, you know, a lot of them have been doing this for shit decades at this point, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. My I'm like classically like I love Jinx. I love Bianca. Like I, I, they, they, those were like my girls during their seasons. I was like, it's obvious that from the moment Bianca opened her mouth, I was like, well, she's going to win. <laughs> yes. Well, cause not only is she good at it, but she's like also a seamstress and also does her makeup. And also like, she like, she just, from the moment she shut up, you're like, yeah, yeah, we got it. <laughs> exactly. And like, and this is like, this is ties so well, like our fandom of drag race ties almost directly with like our fan, our fandom for pro wrestling. It's like, all of these things, you have to have all of these qualities when it comes to in both of these industries, I guess, if you will. So, like, you know, you have to you have to be able to perform. You have to be able to talk. You have to be able to, you know, in some cases, you know, do your own makeup and make your own costumes. But, of course, you have to create your own character. And that's one of the things that I like for me that I saw in both things was that were these over-the-top characters of, you know, whether it was pro wrestling or drag race. It's just like these, you know, these larger-than-life, you know, beings. So, yeah, that's that's like my biggest tie between the two of them. It's like, yeah, this is – it's just so good. It's it's just so good. So good. <laughs> so damn good. And also, I'm so I'm really – the thing I'm most looking forward to on this season is the production value since they've moved over to – uh, VH1. Fun, yeah. But I hope that they they have a good um, backstage stuff. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the after show. I can't think yeah. of it right now. What was it? Uh, it's not Untucked, was it? In the in, yeah, Untucked in the yeah. Interior Illusions Lounge. <laughs> I hope they like they get. I hope they do that Untucked better because like for the past few seasons it sucked. Yeah, the one thing that I'm afraid of in this upcoming season, being that it is moving over to VH1, is the fact that most of the reality shows on VH1 are all about ratchet drama and at its heart, that's not what drag race is about. Like drag race is about the performance and all these other things. Cause you know, like, well, <clears throat> loving hip hop or that fuck bullshit world is on VH1 as well. And it's like, that is my fear that it is going to turn into something similar, could turn into something Along those same lines, where they are more interesting, so it's like that's that's my one. I, I know that's it. a fear. I don't think so because I think at this point it's such a like a cultural touchstone, and also RuPaul is somebody who would not let that happen. I feel like RuPaul is very much like, nah, <laughs> if she doesn't like something, she says it. So yeah, this is very true, and yeah, she will go on a Twitter tirade as well too, which 
something that I actually kind of live for right now <laughs> is people going on Twitter tirades. Like I love a good Twitter tirade, especially if it's like, so if it's a good read, then yeah, you know, but if it's just like screaming into the void and you're loud and wrong, not so much. You can, you know, unless somebody like puts you in your place, then it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I guess that's probably a good place to Wrap. wrap it up with our drag race talk. <laughs> oh, yes, our drag race talk. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you for coming on. I just want to of thank course. you for, for like, just the fact that you guys did, the, you know, had not your demo. Like, like I told Aaron the other day, like, you guys were one of my favorite. You are one of my favorite podcasts. Like, I consider you guys to be one of the best pro wrestling podcasts. Um, thank you. And, and, you know, like, especially, like, last year with the whole – he who shall not be named uh, that has been elected. Like, you guys helped me through, uh, you know, the dark time that was <laughs> that election and such. So, you know, just want to thank you for that. And, yeah, so anything that you want to promote, like, of course, you guys need to listen to Not Your Demo. Because yeah, Not Your Demographic comes out on Thursdays. Uh, we're on KHIT.com. We're on iTunes. Please rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Please rate, review, and subscribe because they might just read your review on air. Unless you say something stupid, then I'll just make fun of it. Yeah. Yes. I'm not very nice. Hey, hey, me, you, and I, <laughs> like, that's one of the things. I think that's what we bonded over is yeah. our, it's our affinity for uh, being mean. So, but, uh, yeah, so it has been. I like to call it constructive criticism. <laughs> well, exactly. So, like, that's the thing. I don't consider it to be mean if it's true. So, right. like, when I go after Alicia Fox's terrible choice in wigs, <laughs> it's, it's not to be mean. It's because the shit's bad. It's very bad. You know, like, just like so, weave in general is really not something that's meant for performance uh, like this. Like, you know, weave is not meant to be grabbed and have, you know, the full weight of a probably, what, 140, 150-pound person get flung around by it. So, but still, her wig, her wigs just tend to be <laughs> just, just, just so bad. <laughs> and it's like, like, a lot of times, like, I've had people, like, ask me about it, like, why do you care? I was like, look, grew up. It looks crazy. She's on TV and has the money and, like, the, the people the, to do it. Exactly. Like, it would be one thing if she was on an indie show and looked weird. Like, that's fine. Like, I understand it. Sometimes, like, people, boys and girls on indie shows come out, and I'm like, ooh, rough day? Did you have a rough day? <laughs> exactly. But, like, I get it. But, like, you are on national television. National television. And you have makeup artists and hair artists backstage. Everyone should look fly all the time. Right. Like, especially when you see they, what they do with Charlotte's hair, what they Charlotte do. Charlotte has been looking amazing lately. Fantastic. What they do with Naomi's hair. Which is like, like they have her just laid and slayed all the damn time. And I think the trick is, is that Naomi goes and gets her hair done somewhere else. Probably because some, because man, the stuff because they've been doing on, with on uh, on Total Divas. There was that time when she let Paige cut her hair, and she was like, "I'm gonna fly my stylist <laughs> out right now." <laughs> yeah, I remember when I saw that, I was like, "Girl, why did you do that?" Like, yeah, like well, no I'm- shots, but you let. You know, a pasty white girl from England cut your yeah, hair. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but oh. I was like, what? Why did you let her touch your hair? 
Exactly. It made absolutely no sense. And then, you know, like, I, like I love Char- uh, Sasha to death, but like, she's they been have, looking, uh, uh, weird lately. Yeah, they've got clearly like growing out her bangs or something because it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, from what I can tell, like, <laughs> there is a lot of, and so this is an issue amongst like. You see this more amongst black women than you do with Caucasian women. Like just because of like years of having to straighten your hair, destroy like if you use like a hot comb and even just like perming, that ruins your hair. And like that's where the whole phrase of, you know, people saying that, you know, someone has snatched your edges because that's what happens. Like your hair just starts to recede, your hairline starts to recede back just because that's usually the weakest point you know, on your head where your hair is attached. So essentially it starts to move. So like with Sasha, it's like you could see like back in the day, like you could see that it was kind of sort of damaged. The same thing with uh, Alicia Fox is like, look at pictures of her from like when way back in the day when she had like the weird, like almost like Barbie doll looking type hair. And it was, you could just see that it was like crazy damaged. And I remember it was about two years ago she made this big thing about, like, even on air, they made this big thing about, oh, my gosh, Alicia Fox is going to uh, debut a new hairstyle. And, like, they showed it on, like, I forgot what show it was. And they showed it, and it was, like, this rinky-dink mohawk that she had. And I was like, oh, we can see all the badness that is your edges. This is mm, mm, mm. this is terrible, girl. It's absolutely terrible. So, yeah, and that's the thing. Is like it's not being mean if it's true, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's still kind of mean, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, it's true. Like for me, it's like if you like so if, like with me, like if somebody says something mean about me, if that shit is true, I'm probably like, you know what? I really can't get mad at them because the shit's true. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, it is what it is. So. But, I just Googled Alicia Fox Mohawk. It is not good. <laughs> it is not good. Like, it's, yeah, like, it looks like some post-apocalyptic nonsense. And it's like, and the thing is, like, I, of course, you know, can't tell people what to do. But, like, it, it would, in my opinion, there you go. I'll, I'll put that caveat. In my opinion, if she just shaved it off. I think she would look gorgeous, bald, because she's got the features for it. Like she has, she's got the face for it. Yeah, yeah. Like she has very prominent features that would work with a hair, like shorter hairstyle, whether it be bald or just you know just a shorter look would look dope. Like if you know if she went on if she went on like America's Next Top Model, what do you think they're gonna do? They're gonna shave that shit off immediately <laughs> when it comes time to change the look. So you know. It is what it is. I just, you know, I don't really, I'm agnostic, so I really don't believe in God, but, you know, I'm praying for her. Hopefully she'll get it someday. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. We're terrible people. <laughs> terrible. You know whose hair also always looks bad? And, like, it looks good in photos, but, like, in the ring, Paige's hair always looks gross. Like, she's, like, you can see all of her extension lines. And yeah. you can see, and it's like she, because it's hard to wash extensions because you can't, you can't wash your scalp because it will like loosen the the extensions. But like right. when you are a white girl, your hair gets really oily, and you can tell. So you have to like be really careful about how you wash it. And it's clear that Paige is just like, well, then I'm not gonna wash it. Right. 
no, it's it's true. Like there are so many times on Total Divas when we're You're watching, like, oh, and it's just like, what? Some dry shampoo. <laughs> it's like, what is this? Like, you know, like you know. Some people, like, when you look at them, you're like, you know what? You know when you, like, give somebody a hug, you can, you know, like, their hair, you're right next to their hair. You can tell, you yeah. know, some people smell great. Like, I would not want to give her a hug with, like, yo, does not look like you have washed this shit in a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Nope. <laughs> also, if you wear extensions for long enough, it can, like, it can fuck up with the growth of your own hair. And I yeah. feel like Paige has been wearing extensions without a break for too long, and her hair just looks weird. And if you don't change them shits out, they will actually grow mold. So that's another thing. Got that moldy head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, no. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we've probably been gabbing for, well, I can't really tell how long. Yeah, you have to edit it. Sorry. I love being <laughs> on other people's podcasts, so I don't have to edit it. <laughs> oh, shit. We're probably, I'm probably going to leave this in its entirety except for like that one part where we were off so but uh yeah so i guess we will call it today here uh underscore cheeks that's where i am (laughs) stella underscore cheeks and of course you know usually you guys end with demis yeah but of course the joke now is dummies (laughs) (laughs) supposed to be demis but Aaron usually says the D one and I say the yap one so take it up with Aaron (laughs) (laughs) will do all right all right bye And that was the end of episode number two of Crowd Interference. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue having the podcast be this long, but Aaron and Stella and I just talked so much on Twitter that, you know, it was bound to happen that they'd be this long. Uh, But, you know, give me any feedback that you have. You know, I'm always interested to see what you guys think about what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, I will talk to you all next week. Maxwell Jacob Feinstein invest so much money into the Fella Twins Academy for you two to be messing up right and left, left and right. You know what? I just, you know. I'm Nicole Maxwell. You take care of these two pledges. I can't. I can't.